I've been wearing the same underwear since Tuesday. TGIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Happy Friday, happy weekend, just about to be. Everyone, I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We are Manson Mitchell in your ears for the hour. Looking forward to having another great time with one of the world's best astrologers. He may not even accept that qualification of what as one of well, actually he's pretty modest. I think he will. Great guy. Great astrologer, great things to say about this ancient art and science. And of course, we're going to have his syndicated horoscopes to read to you. It's a new tradition on Manson Mitchell, and it's also traditional to give proper worship, homage, and respect. Mad props to our buddy, bad boy, Benny Mathers at the board. How are you today, sir? Gosh, I sure hope he has some insight to bring things up for what we're experiencing in 2020. Come on, bring more at us. What else do you got? Come on. (laughs) Come on. I dare you. Bring it on. Wow. Hurricane Laura took out a lot of people. Hope you guys are okay down there. Doesn't it remind you of uh, Forrest Gump? Oh, yeah. uh, yeah, he's screaming from the top of the mast. Right. What else you got? Yeah, right. <laughs> Wait, isn't that Castaway? Uh, no. What? No. no. Oh, maybe. Maybe Ooh, there's some of that. I think it's I was, Is it? Or I don't know I if it's that of... or Joe versus the volcano or what we're talking about there. Oh, good call, Gary. Bring it on. <laughs> that was a good on. one, too. Oh, <laughs> uh, we... It's really been something here in Florida. It, was, it wasn't even a near miss. I mean, it looked like it could go that way with one of the two hurricanes in the Gulf, but it bypassed us. We caught a break. Those in Louisiana, yeah. especially, and also Texas did not. And I always think about, and I'll bring this up with Christopher here in a moment. I always think in terms of an act of God. You'll get that from your insurance agent. Yeah. An act of God. And, and I look at what Laura did in Lake Charles, Louisiana, and I, I say to myself, what does God have against Louisiana? Yeah. It's, mm. it's how you frame reality. That's the thing. We're going to get into some of that today. And as I said, the horoscopes for you, we're always happy to do that whenever Christopher Renstrom joins us. Suzanne, why don't you give the man his mad props? I'm going to give an abbreviated version. We just can't wait to get him on. Christopher Renstrom has been a practicing astrologer since 1985. His uh, rulingplanets.com is his online subscription-based interactive astrology magazine. It's based on his book, Ruling Planets, which was published in 2002 and sold out its print run. But wait, October 20, 2020, a new book. The Cosmic Calendar, Using Astrology to Get in Sync with Your Best Life. And you can pre-order now, I found out. So if you want to get Christopher Renstrom's new book, it's probably going to sell out its print run just like the first one did. And we welcome Christopher Renstrom once again to Manson Mitchell. Hi. Hi. Christopher, (laughs) we're so happy to have you back. Thank you for having me back. It's always such a special uh, occasion. It's always so wonderful. I love it. Thank you very much. Oh, we are thrilled. We are are thrilled your new book is coming out in October, which is not too far away now. Yeah, I know. It's like super duper exciting. And they've got me doing all this PR stuff and and, uh, all online, of course. (laughs) We don't go around and and, and do a... 
you know, a tour really nowadays. But uh, there's a lot of Zooms and onlines and, and all sorts of things. So it's all kinds of exciting. It is very exciting. And it's exciting for us that we have had you on our show uh, over 20 times now. And, wow, uh, really? He's in the guest pantheon. He is. He is. He's one of the tip-top, tip-top guests we have, A-listers. And we are just wanting to talk to you about what is going on with the planets. Uh, Oh, my gosh. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. And I feel so bad um, about all of this. It's basically... um, uh, repeat of the last time that Saturn and a couple of the moderns were in Capricorn, and that was back in the 1988 to 91-92 period. And uh, uh, basically what happened over in Eastern Europe and Russia is now happening here. So it's our, our turn for, for all of that. Uh, we're going through some real once-in-a-lifetime in the case of the Pluto return once in 260 years time of planets returning to certain places and really um, exerting their influence. And the widespread theme right now is the collapse of old structures that have overstayed their time. And, um, you know, we always think, oh, that's kind of exciting. That might bring new things. But sometimes the old structures that have overstayed their time are things that we really love and think are wonderful and and are very familiar and that's going and and so uh in conjunction to all of this we have the uh mars and aries which is causing a flare-up in fevers and temperatures and tempers uh that's what mars does it pours gasoline on the fire and causes everything to get much more incendiary and hot and uh, we have that going on with a square with Saturn, which is fighting against that, trying to repress or put out that fire incendiariness. And, and all of us are caught in between these two forces. Christopher, when you mention Saturn and the word square, I get a little shudder because I was told many, many years ago by a pretty adept astrologer in his own right, in the Puget Sound area, as a matter of fact, this gentleman mm-hmm. told me that when you see Saturn in not only the transits as we go day by day, but also and maybe especially in your birth chart. If your Saturn is harshly aspected, if it squares another uh, planet or a sign in that configuration, it's like getting a cosmic report card. Saturn is the karmic planet. And I'm just extrapolating from that many, many years ago as I think about 2020. Okay, we're all right in it, 2020. And Christopher, what I imagine is that if Saturn represents a kind of cosmic report card, then America needs to recognize because look at what we have got, no matter whom you favor in the upcoming presidential election, no matter your party affiliation, or if you don't have one at all, you just turn on the news and you see who we are now. Right, right. And and all of that is really combined with the Pluto energy, which is really a time of reckoning, a day of reckoning. And that's what's going on right now. But the reckoning that we're dealing with started with the Declaration of Independence, because that's what I'm talking about when I'm bringing up the Pluto return. So all of those social and governmental issues that were not addressed 
and that original document are coming to the fore right now. It's, it's basically when you have a Pluto return, it's all of those things in your basement uh, come crawling back up. They sort of break through the surface floorboards and they come crawling back up into the house. And those are the things that we're dealing with right now. And um, we're being asked, what is the identity of America right now? That's And that's where your cosmic report card, Gary, comes in. It's It's, you know, do you play well with others? Do you get along with other people? Do you know, do you present well? I mean, you know, it's all of those things that we got graded on back in, back in uh, uh, middle school. So, so this is what's coming forward. But what makes it so confusing is that a Saturn-Mars square is battle with authority. You know, it's kind of like going up against authority, but no one knows who's battling who, like who's the authority and who's protesting against authority. I mean, it's continually shifting and changing. And, and this, is, uh, this is where we find, find ourselves now. You know, it's interesting to me, Christopher, that one of your specialties is astrology in America from pre-revolutionary to modern times. That was in one of your um, other promos, other bios that um, I was looking at. And, you know, um, from what I have read, uh, when we had the revolution and put together this country with the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence— it wasn't as though everybody was in agreement. I mean, no, look at look at the play Hamilton. I mean, mm-hmm. we're we're getting this um, review of how the country got started, and everybody was not really in agreement. No. So, so we did the best that we could at that time. But even back then, it was not perfect. And when I think of some of the things that are in the Constitution and and in the Declaration um, that have given us a problem, yeah. and 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 so one of one of the things that I I think about is um, this idea of the the Second Amendment, which was to be able to make sure that that you know people were armed in case we needed a militia mm-hmm. for some outside forces, and how that has been so massaged where, you know, I can own an AK-47 and shoot people. I mean, I don't think the founders of our country had that in mind, but they, I, they I couldn't think possibly... I our country could even right. imagine an AKA. No, <laughs> right. But, and, right. And so I'm saying when you're, when you're saying we're reviewing, you know, everything that's happened up to from now, from then to now... You can see where they did the best they could and they did a great job, but they didn't do a perfect job. And now is our time to see, can we make that better mm-hmm. or are we or is it, are we just going to toss the whole thing away and, and do something else completely? Well, the Constitution of uh, the U.S. Constitution is a living document. It's not um, Christmas lights that you bring out once a year and, and, and decorate. It, it's a living document, and it has built into it um, amendments that you can make amendments. You can add and and subtract from the Constitution itself. I mean, that's one of the things that makes it so extraordinary. And I think that you know what we kind of forget at times like these is that we were a country of protest and revolt. That's why protesting and revolting is so protected um, 
in, in, in our documents and why free speech is so protected in our documents. I mean, what's kind of extraordinary is looking the other day at the Declaration of Independence. Uh, we all know, you know, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, but you go maybe three lines after that. And Thomas Jefferson says, if you're living in a government that's oppressive and you don't like it, overthrow it. It's your right as a citizen. You know, so these things are being examined. I mean, they're coming to the fore right, right now, and they're being examined. And what we forget is that, you know, during the time of the Revolutionary War, there were a lot of loyalists to Britain who didn't like what was going on, and there was a schism, there was a rip, you know, in the structure. That, the birth of this nation was not an easy birth. And also there were, you know, the whole... I did, the whole uh, displacement of indigenous peoples and, and, and slavery, human beings as property, um, you know, all of these things have circled around and, and they're coming back and they're demanding um, to be heard and to be dealt with, uh, to, to, to be negotiated and dealt with and really updated. To be dealt with one way or another. And, you know, that when I look at the fork in the road, I say to myself, we can deal with our problems in a way that moves us forward into a more enlightened area, or we can deal with our problems in a way that will subjugate us to a more militaristic society. Right. That's what it looks like. We were and still are the great experiment, okay? That's what the United States was founded on. And the United States was founded on enlightenment principles. Um, and, and they weren't all perfectly realized, but that was kind of the point, was the founding fathers also had a tremendous trust in the future of like, okay, you've got to make adjustments or amendments. This is what you do. And Thomas Jefferson was like, and if you don't like your society, throw it over. So, I mean, you know, it's actually, if you go back and look at the documents, they're a bit more revolutionary, which makes perfect sense and, um, and, and extreme than, you know, the way that they're currently, you know, represented. You know, I'm a big fan of Thomas Jefferson because I was born on his birthday. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and one of the things that Thomas Jefferson and John Adams and the gang came up with all those years ago was the idea of a tripartite federal government with certain powers reserved for the states precisely to avoid having another king. They did right. not want us ruled by a king, certainly not a despot, and yet I think we're living in a time when we see it's clear to me, not so much to those who are devotees of Donald Trump, but there are millions and millions of Americans who fear for the future of our country if we continue on a path of tolerating a man who incorporates the powers of the federal government in his person to a very extreme degree. That's the best way I can put it. When I look at Donald Trump, I see a guy who identifies himself as the government. Yeah, and uh, we were founded during the time of the Mad King, and you were talking about Karma Gary, um, and we're kind of, it could be argued in, in circles that we're dealing with one right now. And, but what it's really about is not him or the person in charge. What it's really about is we the people. 
And that's what it will always be about. You're going to have people in office that you like, people in office you don't like, things like that. But, but a democracy charges places a personal responsibility on each person to get woke, for, last, for lack of a better word. It's actually a great word, um, you know, to educate, to become aware, to always question social justice, equity, and equality, and to engage in conversation and debate about that, because this is, uh, democracies back to Greece are a messy affair. That's why the, it, was, it was deliberately, you know, uh, selected as, as a model, although Technically, we re- live in a republic rather than democracy, but, but still, it's the idea of national debate and conversation and struggle to create uh, and, and live in a society, a climate that is welcoming and hospitable to, to everyone. And I have found, let's use that phrase, we hear it all the time, checks and balances. I was in my freshman going into my sophomore year during Watergate. Checks and balances was a huge discussion. And it's back with us again, only I have to say, Christopher, I remember the Watergate era pretty clearly. And I I do not recall there being this degree of national stress national fracturing even during watergate around the idea around the the idea that yes we have checks and balances supposedly guaranteed by our constitution but they appear today to be rather fragile when you have right. a fractured society those structures to the extent they're going to crumble never seem to do so quietly right right and um, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, Watergate, actually, you have to always put it in context. It comes out of the 60s, you know, and it comes out of the Vietnam War. So it's actually coming at a point where all those stresses are being channeled into um, an event, into an episode, into a trial. Um, you know, so, so, so that's where all of that energy was really going. But what kind of struck me was that even... Richard Nixon, okay, who, who's, who was never known for his ease with people, you know, but uh, what, what I was thinking of this morning was even Richard Nixon got up in the middle of the night, I think it was like 4.30 or 5 in the morning, so it's not the middle of the night, and he went down to the, uh, I, I think it was the Washington Monument, maybe it was the Lincoln Monument, where protesters had camped out, and uh, to talk to them. Not I think it was the Jefferson Memorial, if Maybe I recall. It was the Je- okay, right. Thank you. And he didn't talk to them successfully, but he went out to talk to them. He, he, he wanted to understand what, where they were not getting it. You know, this was not an arranged trip, by the way. He drove the Secret Service nuts on more than one occasion. When On yeah. that occasion, the Secret Service did not know where he was. They had to right. scramble to find him, and there he was talking to these uh, protesters, these youthful Americans who were directly opposed to his policies, and he wanted to know why. Even right. Nixon could reach out. Right, <laughs> which is my point, you know. And, 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 and unfortunately, all he could do was keep repeating his stance because he thought he would conduct them into it. But, but what's to be celebrated there is that he tried. You know, he, 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 I mean, he was moved by a conscience to, to leave behind what you're pointing out, Gary, protections. You know, he's moved by his conscience to leave behind protections uh, to go and talk to the protesters. That's what a president does. 
And we had a president last night who spoke to ostensibly all Americans by converting the White House itself into a campaign prop. That I don't think I will ever forget nor forgive. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, don't know whatever. where that shows up in horoscopes, but, you know, you're, I'm, I can follow the trend lines. Yeah. I mean, wh whatever your politics, uh, the White House is the people's house. And um, it, it, it's not for that. You know, it's not like he was the first president to come up with that idea. <laughs> you know, but the thing is, the White House has always been the people's house. You don't do that. Yeah. Very well said. I want to get to the horoscope so we get them all in. We only take one break, which will be at the bottom of the hour. It's always sure. great to talk to you about history. You have a tremendous grasp of history, particularly American history, uh, Christopher, and we're delighted to get your point of view because it's so thought-provoking and it's well-founded. You are an evidence-based guy who works at an art and science that remains hotly and perennially controversial because there are people that will say there's no science to it. This is just feel-good rhetoric on the page of a newspaper or online so that people can have uh, the opportunity to think well of themselves or sound a note of hope as they go into their day. I don't think it's as shallow as all that. And that's why we have people on here to talk about astrology, because it is more than simply the words on a page. There are implications. And in my case, I've always loved astrology for the correlations. We yeah. know it's an axiom that correlation does not imply causation. But I sure love to speculate when something that shows up in one of your horoscopes, which happens very often under my sign, under my rising sign, under my moon sign, which rules the emotions, I will see things that correspond showing up in my life. And I have said to Suzanne more than once, how does that man know what's going on with a granular understanding sign by sign throughout the Zodiac? I, I find you continually a fascinating mystery in that regard. Oh, Gary, thank you. Horoscopes, is, uh, astrology, is, I, I think, is one of our greatest inventions, and it's one of our greatest mysteries. And I love that it's both. <laughs> I'm going to get started here, and there are other things to be said, particularly about what, what are you going to do about the weather? That was Mark Twain's line. Everybody complains about the weather, but nobody does anything about it, right? And when you <laughs> see a hurricane blowing through somebody's town, it just makes you ask the bigger questions. And we'll get into some of that. But I want everybody to have a chance to get a first-class Christopher Renstrom horoscope for each sign as we work our way through from the Aries ingress. It's when spring shows up and work our way through Pisces. You want to listen tight here, Suzanne. We're going to start with Aries, Friday, August 28. What you're dealing with is a case of cold feet. Give this person time to get over himself and when you talk again, he'll be on board 100%. Let's move on to Taurus. Speak up if you think you've got a better idea. Your two cents are as good as anyone else's. Work in Gemini here. You're choosing a strange time to be inflexible. Do whatever it takes to seal the deal. Afterwards, you can walk away with no worries. And I'm going to do cancer here, and then we'll come up for air. Cancer, the wheels of bureaucracy may creep along at a snail's pace, but getting exasperated won't help. 
work with that paper pusher to achieve your goal together. I find that one to be rather fraught. That's interesting to me. But let's, let's go ahead. Suzanne, you're going to love this. Aries, what you're dealing with is a case of cold feet. Give this person time to get over himself. And when you talk again, he'll be on board 100%. How is a gentleman like you, Christopher, going to know that People are going to have someone like that at this point in time, whether it's specifically today or generally in this time frame, such that they can anticipate some rugged negotiating and coming to terms with an individual who is um, experiencing cold feet or the Aries experiencing cold feet. Sure. Um, it's it's very complex. But um Basically, uh, when you're writing daily horoscopes, what you work with a lot is the moon. And if you think of the planets as being the hands on the face of a clock or even a watch, uh, the moon would be like the second hand. It's the one that moves the fastest. It will change signs every two days. And so uh, what this will reflect is the fact that, you know, I have to incorporate the moon being in Capricorn, which is a chilly sign. It's a, it's, it's a cautious sign. It's one that um, can be fraught with a lot of doubt and anxiety and questioning whether this is the way to go. And then I have to interweave that with the sign that I'm writing for, Aries, for instance. And then uh, by consulting the chart, I have to also uh, identify the zodiac house that it's moving through. And the, uh, the astrological house will provide the context for that day. Is it something that's going on with a friend or a family member? Is it affecting finances? We have 12 houses, and each house will describe a separate and distinct area of life. Suzanne, any reaction to that? No. Okay. <laughs> She's taking it in over here. I, I, I have, you know what I do, Christopher, and I'm sure many others do this as well. I have close friends of this or that sign, and I will read their horoscopes to them. I get on the phone, and I say, look at what's up for Taurus. Look at what's up for Pisces. And it's fun to see how much of it applies to them at any given time. That's that's one of the joys. It's, it's a... Um, it's a delight over my breakfast coffee to get into the horoscopes and just see what's up per Christopher Renstrom. Well, I want to read Leo. Yes, please go ahead. And it's also fun. You know, I mean, like, that's the other part about this. You know, it's not like a, you know, it, it's not a heavy thing like a, like maybe a biblical verse might be or something like that. I mean, there's also a fun element, you know, and if the horoscope fits, it's like, oh, wow, you know, how'd that happen? If it does, and if it doesn't, it's like, huh, what's he talking about? You know, so so what's really kind of lovely and, and, and what I really enjoy about horoscope writing and, and, and reading is that there's a fun element to it as well. And, and, and there should be. I will tell you this. Here's a little anecdote. I had the pleasure of discussing astrology with one of Suzanne's relatives by marriage some years ago. And I still remember her saying, and she was a dyed-in-the-wool Catholic. I mean, some things are just verboten. The Pope says no, so don't go. <laughs> and she, I mentioned astrology and how I found it fascinating. And she said, you know, I don't put the foggiest bit of faith in horoscopes and all that. I think that's a bunch of nonsense. And I will just laugh every day in the morning when I pick up my newspaper and read my horoscope. <laughs> well, Keep on reading. You know, it's ridiculous. It's nonsense. And I read it every day. Well, you might also want to uh, point out to her that the um, 
the main employer of astrologers in the early medieval period to the late Renaissance period is the Catholic Church. And that um, many, if not all, of our books that are coming down from the Hellenistic period were preserved by the Catholic Church. So the Catholic Church actually plays an enormous role um, in the uh, survival and preservation of astrology. If it weren't for the Church and the tradition of collecting books and keeping them in libraries, uh, which goes from Rome to Ireland, um, if it weren't for the Church, we probably wouldn't have astrology. That's a powerful statement. Wow, that's a revelation, Christopher. We're about to take our one break of the hour. So let's get Leo in. You know, Leo's can be impatient. I want perfection now, and you need to provide that to me because I am the king. I am the queen. <laughs> Love our Leo. Sun ruled Leo. For today, here's the horoscope, Leo. An agreement is an agreement, and you have to find a way to make it work. You may resent feeling handcuffed to someone, but this could turn out to be a match made in heaven. Some people would rather prefer to be handcuffed to someone. That would be their match made in heaven. But that's a subject for another day. An agreement is an agreement. And with Leo, it's interesting how, um, how they find a way to get the best of it or have it serve them one way or another. With a sense of entitlement, Christopher, and we could talk about this more on the other side, Leos can be charming beyond measure and very entitled, and dang if they don't find a way to have their entitlement rewarded. It's like they believe in the power of expectations, and the universe dares not say no to them. I know people like that. And that's what you get when you're born under Leo. It comes with the sign. <laughs> it comes with the territory, does it not, in yeah. that patch of sky. We're talking with Christopher Renstrom, astrologer extraordinaire and a wonderful gentleman, a friend not only of the show, but one of those friends that Suzanne and I have yet to meet face to face. But we will do that in the shadow of the Wasatch Front as we meet him and his wonderful husband right there in Salt Lake City where they grace Utah and we're going to get there someday. Let's take our break. Wouldn't that be fun? And lunch yeah. is on us. It would be better and more beautifully prepared by you, I'm quite sure. I see your pictures on Facebook. So <laughs> be that as it, we are going to take a two-minute break. Glad to have you with us. We are Manson Mitchell. This is Friday, and we're doing astrology with Christopher Renstrom. Give us a couple of minutes, and we will be right back. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world-famed, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 a.m. or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty. 
yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. Hi, I'm Arielle Winter. If you're anything like me, your pets are not only your best friends, they're part of your family. American Humane, which has been rescuing animals like Cleo here for more than 100 years, has life-saving tips that can make a big difference before, during, and after disasters such as hurricanes, tornadoes, floods, or wildfires. So when disaster strikes, you want to be prepared to protect them. Be sure to microchip or tag your pets. Never leave them behind in a major crisis, and be sure to have an emergency kit ready in your home at all times with a pet crate or carrier, leash, blanket, ID, and medications, their water bowl, and seven to 10 days worth of food. To find out how to protect your entire family during a disaster and help our best friends in their worst times, please visit AmericanHumane.org. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We're a couple of baby boomers who bring you a talk radio mix of metaphysics and music, politics, and pop culture. And you never know which celebrity will join us for an interesting conversation. Mance and Mitchell is Boomer HQ, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on 1150 AM KKNW. Your home for alternative talk in Seattle and Western Washington. Alternative Talk 1150, here to uplift your day. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Christopher Renstrom, one of our most favorite people to talk to on air. Christopher, if people would like to connect with you, in your introduction, I said that rulingplanets.com is an online subscription-based interactive astrology magazine. Please explain that a little bit and how people can connect with you and where they can pre-order your new book and anything else you want to drop on us. Well, thank you very much. Um, Ruling Planets uh, is something that I created when um, the book that I wrote, Ruling Planets, went out of print. Uh, So when you subscribe to it, you get daily horoscope, you get a weekly horoscope, you get a cosmic alert uh, giving you the heads up on what the next planetary aspect is that you're going to want to take uh, that you're going to want to take note of. There's, um, but the whole idea is that it's based on your ruling planet. Sometimes astrology can be a really big subject. Well, it's kind of over 2,500 years old, but it can be a really big subject. And after the sun sign, you don't really know what to look for. And so, what it's based on is the idea that we are each born under a ruling planet. Actually, some of us have two, um, and that the ruling planet is your um, guardian angel, your patron saint, your corporate sponsor, den mother, and uh, life coach, all wrapped up into one. And so instead of, you know, staying only with the sun sign, uh, the site actually will introduce you to the planet that you were born under. For instance, um, Gary, you were born under the planet Mercury because you're a Virgo, or Suzanne, you were born under Mars because you're an Aries. And so it's the ruling planet that really unlocks a lot of your um, 
personal astrology for yourself. And so those things are available on the site where you can read about your own planet and other people's planets and how you get along and what to do if you don't get along. And, um, and, and so this is where you can contact me for, for a reading. Um, and it's also uh, one of the places where you can pre-order the Cosmic Calendar, which is the sequel. You know, it's the, it's the next book. And, um, and you can pre-order that on Amazon, and that comes out in October. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you, Christopher. We're reading the horoscopes, so if uh, if you missed them, we archive this program at 1150kknw.com, podcast one, or wherever you get your podcasts, so you can definitely listen to the whole thing as often as you want. And for those of you who have yet to hear your scope, get ready to take notes. Christopher Renstrom is in the house. For Virgo, Friday, August 28, 2020, if you want to turn a problem around, then you have to come up with a plan that's more far-sighted than what you face in the moment. It's time to don your thinking cap. And for Libra, I found this one particularly intriguing. A lost cause isn't lost if you believe in it. All it takes is one conscience being pricked to turn around the mass majority. Wow, that's a heavy-duty one. I want to get back to that. But Scorpio, here's your turn. You can see that a loved one isn't going to get what he's after, but accent the positive. This will help him to see that tomorrow is another day. And Sagittarius, you're nervous about taking on an enormous responsibility, but do it. Not only will you rise to the occasion of this challenge, you will master it. So let's stop there before we get to Capricorn and the rest. I did want to bring up Libra. It's fascinating, Christopher, for today. It also reminds me of other horoscopes of yours that I have read, and I wonder how can I spot, how can I trend spot in for best advantage? In the case of Libra today, a lost cause isn't lost if you believe in it. All it takes is one conscience being pricked to turn around the mass majority. The hopeful side of my nature says that's wonderful, and yet I have read horoscopes of yours many a day in which you say, it's time to fish or cut bait. If you aren't getting anywhere by such and such a time, or if you see the the tide is going out, it is time to walk away. Knowing the difference between the two, like the serenity prayer, you have to have the wisdom to know the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the planets are not fixed. They're in constant motion. They're, they're uh, forming uh, relationships. They're, they're, they're arriving, showing up to form relationships in the sky, or they're departing after having formed a relationship in the sky. And what I'm referring to with relationships is really what we call in astrology aspects, like a conjunction, opposition, trine, sextile, square. Um, so, so nothing's fixed. And so basically you have to work with this idea of uh, tremendous mutability or, 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 or an ever-changing sky, but then you have to read it against the backdrop of trends. And then you have to add the character of the sign that you're reading for. You know, is this a sign that is into um, lost causes or not into them? You know, the opening phrase, for instance, is a lost cause isn't lost if you believe in it. That's very different from isn't lost if you believe it. You know, so it's a, it's a different sort of idea, you know, and so it really is talking about Libra's issue of commitment, 
um, which we all know that Libras can be <laughs> about commitment, um, and Libras' um, attention to what other people are going to think. But it also draws upon that wonderful ability that Libra has to talk to people and to bring people on board and to persuade. And so that is also um, included in, in the uh, particular horoscope as well. And Libra, after all, talking to people, Libra is the sign of the diplomat. Absolutely. It's a Venus-ruled sign. It knows how to bring people to the table, not, uh, not burn bridges. Libra is always into building bridges. That's the thing that's very important to this astrological sign. I'd like to move on so that we can get the rest of them in, and then there are related subjects to discuss. So let's return to the horoscopes. We have Capricorn next. Facing problems together is better than pointing fingers. This reinforces the bond between you and a loved one. Aquarius. Wait, 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 wait. Go back to that one, Gary. To Capricorn? <laughs> hang on now. Hang Anyone? on. You just skipped right over it now. Come on now. <laughs> I will repeat. There's a Capricorn in the house, and he wants to get granular with this. I figured, you know, Suzanne asked earlier what my sign was, and I, I was appropriately acknowledging, yes, I am a Capricorn, and I couldn't agree more with what you just said. So I think it to makes repeat. sense. Facing problems together yeah. is better than pointing fingers. This reinforces the bond between you and a loved one. And how good for you. There, If this applies, Benny, it's wonderful that you have a bond between yourself and somebody special. It does. And as I as recently as uh, the start of May, because this did happen, we do and can date in COVID times. And I started dating uh, Jessica, and we've been doing great ever since. And we've had a really good bond by talking more through our stuff than ever before, which is amazing. So I couldn't agree more. Suzanne is slack-jawed. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> Jessica is the lady's name. Yes. Welcome, Jessica. Yeah, Hope right. she's tuned Jessica. in. I think that's wonderful. She's at work right Good now, but you. I'll give her a, a ding for that one. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we spare no expense with our sound effects budget, let me tell you. I tell you. That's I tell great. You. Excellent, Benny. Let's go to Aquarius now. You don't like to let anyone down, but there are just so many hours in the day. Ask people to cut you some slack, and they will. And then Pisces, mysterious Pisces. Mindless chores provide the perfect escape from an emotional tailspin. Who would have thought that sorting socks would prove so uplifting? That is excellent. Christopher, you hit the proverbial nail on the head. Who would have thought that sorting socks would prove so uplifting? I can remember there when I was uh, fully entering midlife and just kind of went, okay, directionally, where do I go? Left, right, straight ahead, what do I do? I found that it was not only comforting, but a way of resetting my circumstances if I put the focus, zen-like as it were, on doing something mundane. And mm -hmm. I remember getting into a minivan one time and I thought, you know, wherever this minivan is taking me, wherever my life is going, the best thing I can do right now is to get the shoulder harness buckled in so <laughs> that I give myself a measure of safety going forward. It's not unlike what the, I can't remember the man's name, I'm sorry, I believe he's a retired admiral. His advice, he wrote a book about this, about ordering your life, and his advice was when you get up in the morning, make sure you, every day, make sure that you make your bed. 
That's yeah. the first good thing you can do for yourself. And that's what I get from the Pisces horoscope today. Yeah, it's it's the importance of rituals, which uh, you know is Virgo's M.O. <laughs> you know, it's the cornerstone to your being. But um, it's the importance of rituals and routines, and these are often, you know, like, uh, you know, who who wants to do that or whatever. But it it brings consistency, and um, it provides equilibrium, you know, in your day. Um, and and so, you know, the idea of chores and rituals. I mean, if you think of the convents and the monasteries i mean the incredible emphasis on 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 ritual and performing labor in 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 particular ways and at particular times and it was a way of really uh connecting to the sacrality of time and 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 just reconnecting to uh god in the universe in 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 these things god in the universe in these things perfect segue into Hurricane Laura. It blasted into, with record tying wind speed, may actually have broken the record, we don't know because yeah. it knocked down the tower monitoring it, but Lake Charles, Louisiana. And I think of people who may or may not be able to afford hurricane insurance, all right? And this phrase, an act of God, isn't it interesting how the people to whom you pay insurance premiums know the actuarial statistics down to the last decimal point. But when a hurricane blows through town, it's an act of God, and suddenly your insurance agent is a theologian. So when something like when something like this happens, I really scratch my head and I go, so you know, everybody wants to put that off on God as the as I asked earlier rhetorically, what does God have against Louisiana or Texas or Florida from time to time? Well, right. nothing. These are natural events. And yet here with astrology, I see in you somebody who helps us to make sense of processes over which we have very limited control. But that part of life, which is ours to manage, becomes our responsibility. And you and astrology, by extension, provide guidance. Well, it, it, um, it's, you know, um if you were in a, if you were a weather predictor okay or if you worked in weather for instance up until um the uh late 1800s you worked with um planets you worked with the moon you worked with signs in the sky so um weather and astrology actually i, I mean everyone will say astrology is like cosmic weather you know it's a weather weather predicting but weather and astrology actually have centuries long um history relationship with each other. Um, John Calvin, if you remember Calvinism, um, wrote an essay about good astrology versus bad astrology. You know, it was kind of like his essay on good cholesterol versus bad cholesterol. And he distinctly listed astrology as being very useful um, in terms of uh, medical diagnosis and weather prediction. And where he said astrology was bad and evil was when it tried to uh, know the mind of God, when it, when, it, when it stood in front of God and said, no, this is the prophecy, this is the prediction. So, so weather and astrology, weather and uh, astrology and medicine, have centuries-long uh, relationship with each other. And the reason astrology came about um, was to help you navigate these courses. Um, religion has the job of explaining it. Okay, religion has the job of explaining, does God have something against Louisiana? 
okay? And, and from that, people will take lessons or morals or insights um, or whatever. Astrology has never had that task, okay? Astrology's task was to, was to say, this is a rough time or this is a good time. This is a time when you want to put up your guard. This is a time when you can relax. So astrology's job was to really navigate the course. It really wasn't to interpret what the greater meaning was. And that's actually a point that Thomas Aquinas, also familiar with astrology. Astrology was taught in the universities in Europe until the 1600s. So Aquinas would make a very, very clear distinction between the use of astrology in terms of helping you uh, navigate your way in life, but then when it became the area of God, um, to stop. You know, this, this was now the area of God, and so you turn to Scripture or you turn to uh, the Bible uh, for this information. You, you would not expect it of astrology. And I take from Thomas Aquinas that he and those who followed his teachings had to thread a very severely narrow needle because there were people put to death for their commitment to astrology and its implications, especially if they were a little too public about it. And yet, on record, we have statements, the records of people who were undergoing or had undergone torture and were executed for being heretics, and they were described as having a Saturnalian personality, as mm -hmm. like Saturn. Well, where did that come from, if not astrology? Well, you have to sort of... What period of time, if you don't mind my asking, are you referring to when astrologers were being, when people were being put to death for astrology? The Middle Ages, where also people deemed to be witches, there were being put to death, even by the people who were consorting with them sexually. And then, oh, I was bewitched, she's guilty, and they burn her at the stake. Yeah. It was that dark age period. In Middle Ages, there was plenty of wisdom, medieval thought sprung up beautifully. But by the same token, what it grew out of was all of that darkness, that muck, where superstition, even within religion, drove the actions of people in power. Yeah. The, the thing is, um, no one was really put to death for astrology. You were put to death for heresy, and as you very uh, aptly point out, Gary, uh, witchcraft. Um, it's in the American mind that witchcraft and astrology sort of come together, whatever, and that's its own thing. Uh, but they... They don't, and they didn't, and actually people were not put to death for astrology because astrology was seen as um, an academic discipline. Um, it's not until the 1607-1609 that you begin to have a real um, rupture between astrology and academia. I mean, there were hints of it before, blah, 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 but, but no one was really put to death for it. You, would, you were, however, put to death for heresy. Uh, you were put to death for mystic visions. Um, if you had a vision of Christ that was going against what the church was saying, this is what we believe to Christ or whatever. That's why women who were celebrated as saints in one century were then put to, uh, burned at the stake as witches in the next. So there's a very complex relationship between mysticism and the church, heresy and orthodoxy. Um, and astrology uh, astonishingly, um, was able to sidestep and stay out of that, <laughs> you know, and, and I suspect it's because it was an academic discipline. 
that would be taking the scholastic approach would give you that angle and, and hopefully keep you out of trouble. But as the, the animus against astrology continued through the centuries, yeah. I believe I got this from you. I hope I'm reflecting it accurately. In Britain, Parliament, they passed yeah. laws. And there came a time when to practice astrology and other allied occult practices, as they were deemed, put your, if not your life, perhaps so, but certainly your freedom in danger because there was this kind of overarching witchcraft law. Well, it, it gets a little bit more because you get into the parliamentarian wars in which astrology becomes a tremendous propagandistic tool. Um, and, and then the return of, of, of uh, then you have the restoration um, and, and, and it gets very complex, but it's much more political um, than it was focused on, on astrology uh, per se. But um, the other thing that also I wanted just to bring up, if I can very quickly, um, the Gregorian calendar. Everyone's familiar with the Gregorian calendar, right? We, we had the Julian calendar, and it sort of lost its timing, and then we switched over to the Gregorian calendar, which is named after Pope Gregory. Um, the Gregorian calendar could never have been constructed without referencing astrological texts. Okay, it would never have been created. And you have to remember at this time, astronomy and astrology, um, you know, are almost pretty much synonymous. But the books that were in the libraries of the Catholic Church were referenced by scholastic academic priests. Um, and they were able to create. They were able to notice that there was a problem in the calendar, and number two, to reconstruct it and 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 create the Gregorian calendar. That would never have been able to happen without astrology. So, so I'm saying that really not to sort of like validate astrology, but to really attest to um, what an important fixture it was in academia during that period of time. There is so much history that you understand. And I don't know how many years it took you to acquire this kind of perspective, but it seems to be in the very fabric of who you are as an astrologer and somebody who just has a great thirst for history. You go to more trouble than the average person would, that's for sure. And that's why you can illuminate these subjects. We always love to have you on with us, Christopher, and I'm thankful for those horoscopes six days a week. Is it a matter, by the way, we're in our last minute here, you have a weekly horoscope, which people ought to read as well, but there isn't a daily one for Sunday. Is that simply because you take the day off? Yes. <laughs> there we go. There's a deep so astrological <laughs> explanation. We'll have to interpret that another time. Yes, it's nice to take a day off. And how many, how long, uh, how far ahead do you go? Are you one month, two months, three months ahead? Oh, two months. Two months. Two months. Okay, yeah. because you are syndicated and you have to have the product ready. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's a lot of effort you go to on behalf of humanity. And I, for one, am very, very thankful, Christopher. So thank you for joining us. We will come back once again. And as a matter of fact, Suzanne and I have discussed this. We absolutely need to have you back. We're under 70 days before a presidential election. And after that happens, and the counting may still be going on, we want to have you come back and put it in astrological perspective for all of us. And it will still be going on. <laughs> the accounting. Great, <laughs> so. Thank you for being with us today, Christopher. Always a pleasure to have you. Always. 
<laughs> and coming up next. Coming up next is uh, Christine Upchurch, followed by the Susan Harmon Experience and then American Road Trip Talk with host Gary Mance. And today it's going to be fun because we're going to be discussing David Crockett. You've always known him as Davey. Well, there's something to be said about that and a whole lot more about that American icon. So join us at 1 p.m. Pacific for American Road Trip Talk. Thanks, ladies and gentlemen. Have yourselves a great weekend. We'll be back tomorrow, 10 a.m. Pacific, right here at Seattle's home of Alternative Talk, AM 1150. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.